The Song Confessional Podcast is a co-production of KUT, KUTX Studios, and Good Taste Society. Hey, this is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to... Let me explain what we do here at Song Confessional. We travel all around the country recording people telling us stories anonymously, right? So we go to music festivals, uh, state fairs, um, conventions full of event marketers, all sorts of weird shit. Anyway, we we collect stories and uh, we pick our favorite ones and we give them to songwriters and bands who write and record an original song inspired by that anonymous story. On this podcast, you're going to hear the anonymous story that we call The Confession. You're going to hear the song that inspired it, and you're going to hear an interview with the songwriters. I'm sitting here with my favorite little timekeeper. Tell them your name. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Catanzaro. In part one of this episode, you heard the song Seed by Bright Light Social Hour and me, Walker Lukens, and the confession that inspired it. We got that confession from Confessed, the song confessional festival uh, that we now do annually at the Mishawaka in Fort Collins, Colorado, or near Fort Collins. The Mishawaka is a beautiful amphitheater up in the Poudre Canyon where we have a permanent confessional booth. You can go there 365 days a year and give a confession. At this festival, we all the bands on the bill uh, create a song inspired by one of the confessions taken at the event. This confession came from the first confessed, and uh, that is why me and Bright Light wrote a song about it. Yeah, and just an excuse to finally release a Walker Lukens and Bright Light Social Hour collaboration because the public doesn't know, but there has been several over the years. Um, so it was nice, nice to put something out. This is a this is a family of musicians that has worked together in many different ways over a very long time, dec- a decade plus, pretty much for a lot of these guys. But you'll hear about that uh, and a lot more in Walker's interview with Jackie O'Brien and Curtis Roush from the Bright Light Social Hour. Interview. interview. So who am I speaking with? You got Jackie O'Brien. And this is Curtis Roush. And and uh, we don't have to be weird. We know each other very well. Uh, and we wrote this song together, which uh, we've never done on this, this project uh, where basically where, where I helped work on a song with the, the, the band. Um, but I want to start before we talk about, you know, how we know each other and all of our history together. I want to start by talking about this confession because when I heard this confession, like I, it didn't really emotionally resonate with me at all. Like I just sort of thought it was a cute older woman. Um, maybe being a little tongue in cheek about her, like, uh, desire to have great grandkids. Like I didn't really take it very seriously. Um, Mm. but that was totally not what your reaction was, Kurt. And I'm wondering if you could go back into that space and talk about what your initial reaction was to hearing this confession. I felt it again, like reviewing, (laughs) reviewing the story. Like there's this underlying sinister tone to it, uh, to me where it's like, she wants, she she has like nine or something grandkids. She's got a, a whole set of grandkids 
And and apparently, I guess they're they're too young or too in, in their work to be, um, you know, producing the next generation, which he's sort of really into. And I found it both, you know, sort of hysterical and strange that she, she was the amount of money she offered up was like ten thousand dollars to have uh, to subsidize or whatever to encourage having another kid in 2023. It's like you could get like maybe a, a used Toyota Corolla or something out of that. Um, and <laughs> but the, the, it took like it took a darker turn also like towards the end. You know, she talks about how one of her purposes with all this is to make sure her DNA line is not ended, you know? So it, it, it kind of like took um, some of the steam from like the sweet grandmother just wanting to kind of expand the family and stuff. And it became a lot more about like her, you know, genetic legacy in a way that I found interesting and, and, and a little dark. What about you, Jack? What was your initial reaction to hearing this? Um, I'm glad she's not my grandma. <laughs> Although I've got a, I've got a little one that I guess she would be stoked about. But um, <laughs> I don't know. She's yeah, it's the same kind of thing. We're like, oh, this is so this is so sweet. Like she just wants, you know. I'm sure she was like, I want to have. I can't wait to have grandkids. And then she had nine grandkids, and then they all grew up and didn't want to hang out and you know be babies anymore so she wants more babies around but then it's like right like Kurt said it's not about the babies it's like a very mm-hmm. ego centered thing it kind of seems like and sure that's you know I, I think I see through it to like a a fear of her own death certainly but also that yeah that like I need to continue like it's been you know, every ancestor has gotten us to this place. I have to do my job. I'm failing if I don't have great grandkids. And I don't know, the main question I kind of had was like, does she really, with nine grandkids, does she really think none of them are ever going to have children? Like, Yeah, how worried could she be? No, it's like, so so it's a little confusing because it's like, if she really just cares about the legacy moving on, like, I don't know, can't she just trust that they'll have kids at some point they'll want, you know, they're all in their thirties. I think a lot, she mentioned a lot of them are in their thirties, but you know, we're getting a little bit older and older um, uh, people having kids. And so I'm sure it'll happen at some point, but so it's like, okay, so it's deeper than that. She wants to really make sure like she doesn't really believe um, that it's going to happen unless she really sits there <laughs> and like makes it happen and watches it happen and witnesses it. Um, and I also thought it was really interesting how she, um, she kind of thinks that she's going into a confessional with a religious, you know, like it's some kind of, she definitely thinks that's something, um, you know, when she's being interviewed by Aaron, that he's some kind of religious person or that she's doing, you know, she's kind of like, I'll try whatever. And she seems very apprehensive about the idea of the Catholic um, confessional being Baptist, but she is like, whatever, I'll try anything. I'll put, ask a favor for the, from the big man. And she almost seems a little disappointed that there's not actually really a religious affiliation there. <laughs> oh, you're just doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you just want a story. Like that doesn't it, help me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I feel like Kurt, you, you like saw through, you kind of like surmise this woman's worldview, like right away in your reaction. And I think that's something that I like, I just kind of dismissed it. 
you know, whereas like just her way of like looking at the world and her role as a grandmother was like, uh, yeah, kind of sinister. Like, like you're both saying, it's like this weird, I don't know. I, I think maybe I thought it was like this bit she'd been doing at cocktail parties for a decade and now <laughs> was like not realizing how weird it is to say to strangers maybe, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, out of curiosity, I mean, do you guys have grandparents left? Well, mine are gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Years are gone as well, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could just never hear my 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 two grandmothers who are left who are both very old. Uh, I can never hear either of them saying this. <laughs> so, yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can I almost think... hear my maternal grandmother going into this bit, but none of the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she she was a little bit um hardcore, right, Kurt? Yeah, she just had some, you know undiagnosed mental health challenges <laughs> or undertreated throughout her long life. Um, but I, I think like a kind of like intensity and uh, kind of selfishness or a lack of gratitude about one's family was something that kind of reminded me of that. I wonder if it was just sort of triggering in a, in a light way or something, you know, just could, because I think I was shocked at at this woman's lack of gratitude. She has so many grandkids. Yeah, compared with most people, you know, totally. She's is, sort of really alive and, uh, amongst her genetic riches. I think it'd be a good point to just like spike the football and feel pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It almost seems a little greedy. It as 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 noted in the lyrics. You know, yeah. it, it seems a little greedy to want right. to want more. <laughs> yeah, I I think the the cool thing about Seed is uh, that it you really have no fucking idea what this song is about necessarily, uh, un- unless you delve into this confession. Uh, the lyrics are kind of um, like pretty opaque in that way. You know, the first line is "You got the body that I want." You got to quit wasting our seed and hear my plea. Like, I mean, that that could also be about a farmer <laughs> talking to like his, uh, <laughs> someone who works for him, you know? Um, I, I'm curious for you guys, like, as, as songwriters, how important is it to you that your lyrics, and I'm, I'm talking about what you guys do together in, in Bright Light. How important to you is it to you that your lyrics make sense to other people we kind of go back and forth on this we definitely traditionally lyrics were the very last thing that we would do you know put together in our studio often like we're you know we'd be singing total gibberish lyrics until the day of recording in the studio finally came and then you know you'd scribble something down um the other one would you know or usually the way we would do it is we'd be singing gibberish and then but the other one of us would like interpret that gibberish. And then we just like make that into whatever the nearest story that that seemed to be telling, um, just make some adjustments. But now I think we're really taking an opposite approach where we're kind of plugging um, bits of story into like a bigger hole and, and trying to make it make sense. But I also, I, I just love something that's at the same time, very specific and very universal. So you're telling, I think, you really can pique interest with something like, you know, like an opening line, like 
you got the body that I want. You got to quit wasting our seed and hear my plea. It's like, okay, this is specific, but I, it, it conjures a specific in, image, but I don't know what, where this is going. Like, I think that piques interest and you want to dive in deeper and listen and try to figure out the story, but then still you can get all the way through it and kind of get a couple of, of different stories out of it. So, um, I don't know. So not very clear. Like I, I like it to be open for interpretation, but I also like definitely making yeah. very specific allusion, like, you know, references to what we're really trying to get at. Yeah. Like, you know, the literal meaning I think would, would be pretty unimportant to me, but just sort of maybe the uh, emotional or thematic meaning, you know, as long as, as long as like the, the feeling of the song gets across with the lyrics, I feel like success if the literal stuff ends up telling a different story or meaning something different to different people, I think that's, a, you know, a plus side. I think that's just interesting. You know, multiple meanings, I think, is an exciting part about any kind of poetry, really, that you're not just kind of the artist isn't telling the whole thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Both approaches have their their strengths, but I think when you write something that is dictates less what you want it to mean. Like what people get out of it is pretty fucking fascinating. You know, it's true. I always think about Bob Dylan's quote where it's something like he's being asked what to interpret his own song meetings. He's like, how the, he's like, I don't know what it means. I just wrote it. Like, <laughs> like I'm the last person you should be asking this. Like, I'm just the conduit. I'm just the channel. Like I put it on the page. That is up to anybody else, but me. Um, you know, I think that's interesting. And it's like, it's, kind of, it's kind of nice to like, I'm going to tell it. I don't know. Maybe it's just like an excuse to be a little bit lazy, but it's like, I'm going to tell a story. I only have a certain amount of syllables. I have some constrictions. It's got to rhyme. It's got, you know, whatever. So I'm going to like paint some colorful images. I'm going to like have some, some actions that tell it, but like, I don't have to go the entire way. Like I'll start, I start the story and the listener finishes it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I definitely, I also, I think, I think the thing I've connected with the most as a, as a writer and something that, you know, and we've worked on other things together is it's important that it means something to me and the other people in the room. Like we, it means something to us. That to me has Very always much. been like, that's essential to me because that's the thing that belongs to, you know, the writers forever is what we were, what it meant to us. And beyond that, you know, some, it's, you just, it's really out of your control, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that. And I definitely felt like that. It was cool to, to work on this song and it, it was kind of like how we built the track up, um, over a couple of sessions and, and then, and the lot, the lyrics were the last thing we really put together on this one. Um, we kind of had vague ideas as we were writing the song, but, um, it was really fun to be, you know, the three of us in the room throwing out lines. This is cool. This takes the story further. This kind of confuses it. Let's go, you know, let's rein it in. Um, yeah, I, I think we really accomplished that. Like, okay, we know what this is about. This, this lady, like, let's make it, it tickles us, but at the same time, it's a little gnarly. Um, let's, let's express that. Like, are, do we feel that we're all like, do we all of us sign off on that and feel that we're accomplishing it? And I, I feel that we did. Yeah. I feel like, um, I, I, I feel like we did. I, I have a, like a really nice, uh, when I listen to the song and I read the lyrics, I, I think back fondly about us, like really parsing out what each phrase meant. And that to me is like, that's, 
that's the mm-hmm. feeling of like work. We did the work or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, also like, I think there's that beat is really, is kind of where we started was from this insistent beat. And then we had Zach, um, you know, it was a drum machine. That's just this really busy, quick part. And then Zach came and kind of added another layer of acoustic drums on top of it. That gives it this really intense kind of urgency to me, feels like running out of time, like let's go. But it's also, but uh, there's like these kind of reggae chords, but it's not, it's not nearly as chill as reggae, but it gives it this sort of like, um, like let's hurry up and get this done so we can relax kind of vibe. Like let's, it's, it's, there's something kind of sexy about the, the synth parts, the chord progression a little bit. There's like, but there's a little tension. Um, but it's also like, all right, hurry up. And like, it just, the music to me sounds to me like, all right, hurry up and get it on. Like, come on, come on. We got to get going. Yeah, definitely cannot disagree with that at all. It sounds, it sounds very urgent and really insistent, like from moment one. Uh, can you guys, I mean, how long have you guys been making music together? Ne- near 20 years, no? Yeah, we're, we're approaching there. We started making music in 2004. So this is our 19th year. Uh, isn't, isn't your, fuck, I'm going to fuck this up. Isn't your 20th anniversary, your diamond anniversary? <laughs> That's a good question. Go start saving up to get Jack a diamond. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, uh, uh, if you need 25 years, Kurt, that's fine. The, uh, what I'm asking, I hope it isn't an awkward question. Cause I don't think there's like really in it, like a direct answer to it, but what was it about the other one that kept you guys working together you know it's a 20th anniversary i just checked is uh fine porcelain or china so i, I was really in it for that <laughs> i like that you're a commitment man for the swag yeah <laughs> yeah for the... i currently have no fine porcelain or china so this is a great year to make it happen neither do i <laughs> <laughs> so i think i think a big part i think i was think you know i was thinking about this recently is that I think we're we're similar in a lot of ways and, and opposite in a lot of ways where I, I think, you know, I can be a bit um, indecisive and Kirk can be more impulsive. And so it's really great. Like we, we do a really good job of like switching off who's kind of like running the ball forward and who's like the coach on the sidelines, like analyzing the situation and figuring out how to make it better. And so, you know, we can kind of do that, this handoff back and forth that allows things to really continually keep moving where one of us is, is taking the, you know, the creation and just flying with it. Um, and while the other one's stopping saying, Hey, hang on, wait, what about this? What if we tried this? Did you think about this? Should we go back a few steps and, um, and look at, at these other things and, and that, you know, we, we will find, common ground a lot of the time and excite each other and get each other out of the ruts pretty quickly. So I don't know. I kind of, I kind of think that's a, a big core piece of it. We just have fun. You know, I think we've, we had a lot of years where, um, where it, it lost its fun. Um, and, and I think we kind of, you know, having some just good talks and realizing like, Hey, what are we doing? If this is painful, if this is, you know, we're not able to be, vulnerable and have a good time and and you know like let's try to think about the journey not the end game like um let's 
if this is all going to be a painful thing to do and we're just doing it for the end product, like let's not, <laughs> let's, let's value having a decent time along the way, at least some somewhat if we can and, and hope we still get some decent outcomes. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of key too. that like temperamental thing. I feel like on our own, like we'll both tend towards making pretty serious music and, and I, you know, to some extent, bright lights like that too. But I feel like from the very beginning, we've always encouraged each other to like lighten up a little bit and have like an, an element of entertainment an element of, of dance and groove, like something that maybe takes a serious subject matter and puts it into a position that it can be a bit more readily enjoyed. And I, I find, you know, in our writings, like we frequently just help bring that out in each other. It's it's just very hard to keep working with the same people for a long time, you know, and you guys have managed to do it here for almost a new set of porcelain, um, which is impressive. You you have you have there's wisdom there, even if you downplay it. Other a lot of most people can't do that. I think waiting, yeah, waiting for our songs to have grandkids. There you go. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> Damn, cool. I, these were, those are like, these were all the points I wanted to discuss. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if there's anything else you guys like, maybe you thought we were going to talk about that we didn't talk about or anything like that. I mean, I think we kind of covered the lyrics pretty well. So, but like, I don't know. I think one other thing, if I just want to add something else, I think is really, you know, we were talking about the lyrics being like, how direct do we want them to be? How vague do we want them to be? Do we want them to be open to interpretation? And I think, I think the song is pretty direct. Like it is literally saying, you know, like you've got the body. I have the money. What's the problem? Y'all are young. I'm going to die soon. Like, let's get to fucking like, and it literally in the, in the end is like, I say you got just one duty. So go ahead and do the dirty just for me. Like, it's like, yeah. Hey man, what's the problem? Like, go ahead and, go ahead and like get it on i've got the money like what's like go for it um so i don't know i I just you say that i'm greedy to involve the needy and you can't see what i see like i i I like that this we just like really i don't know i do feel like it's pretty direct and it's pretty like we told the story and i think it was really fun to get into her perspective and just like this feeling of like I don't know a lack of awareness uh i feel like we, we we try not to put the judgment that we have into the lyrics and to, to maintain that sort of lack of understanding of how weird this seems to to younger people um mm-hmm. and just like yo what's it what's the problem go ahead and fuck you like to do that right go ahead and have some babies like that's good right everybody loves having babies like oh you need some money i got it all's good what's the problem like um it's definitely very yeah. direct simple like spoken english like in that way for sure and once you know what it's about like yes it's definitely just like telling you exactly what it's about that's for sure the case um i don't know the thing i thought about earlier that we we didn't i didn't bring up because we started talking about just songs but like it's kind of like uh like if you've ever read robert frost like robert Frost's poems are every single word is picked over and like, you know, he's trying to paint a really specific picture. And if there's any ambiguity there, it's like, that's the core of the poem. It's just like one little bit of ambiguity. 
You're like, which road does he take? You know, that kind of thing. And then you read something like, like, I don't know, like T.S. Eliot, like the wasteland where it's just like full of all these fucking images. And you're like, what in God's name is this about? And like, but, but you do feel like you kind of know what it's about too, you know? Mm -hmm. And then like, if you have all, if you like get the references that he's making, like it colors it one way, you know, if you read it 600 times, it, it colors a different way. Like it's much more kind of modernist in that way. And I feel like with this, this song, it falls much more into the latter camp of like, it's really easy English to like wrap your mind around. And I, I like, like you were saying kind of earlier, like, I do think you got the body that I want is a killer first lyric. Cause you're like, what the fuck is this song going to be about? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I love that. But also I, it, I think without the confession, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't even it does know. Sound more like, it sounds like a lover to their, like one lover to another saying like, I want you. Let's, let's do this. I put a baby in me. Damn, then, that's cool. As the story unfolds, it's a little more like, wait, this seems like a third party. What is going on? Like, mm-hmm. wait, I want to pay you for what? Like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's different. Yeah, totally. So like I said, in the beginning of this, we, we are friends and we do know each other and have known each other for a very long time. Um, yeah, Jack, you you seemed you seemed eager earlier to tell us the story of how 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 we met. Okay, so my my first memory of Walker. So Curtis and I started the Bright Light Social Hour when we were students at Southwestern University in Georgetown, a little bit north of Austin. And my first memory of Walker um, is that we played a show together in this you know some kind of little I don't know what would you call that space like a conference kind of room like a very not vibey place to a be very dance yeah a very a stale event space for sure yes but it was a it was like somebody's birthday party who was on the student services or whatever you know uh she got access to this place and had us play and walker um played first his band at the time was called the brood and it sounded exactly like that it was like very slow very depressing kind of you know songwriter emo and i remember liking it but being like dude this is this is so fucking sad <laughs> and and then the this very early version of the bright light social hour was very different from what it is now it was very um scronky kind of effeminate hardcore with you know screeching vocals and odd time signatures absolutely chaotic we we're like passing a bottle of jim bean around the stage i remember ending up playing at the end of the show with my pants around my ankles and curtis threw his guitar through the jump set and then dove through it like we could not have been more opposite energy um and we kind of like kept bumping into each other over the years and and you know we uh i don't think we cared a lot for each other's music but we we saw that each other had potential and and it was cool i remember what go ahead well i was gonna say i want to tell you what i remember about your set yes what do you how do you remember that which is absolutely nothing because when I saw you guys passing the bottle on stage to each other and then you started your first song and it was loud as hell, I left. Yeah, sounds about right. Go on. But then years later, I remember I saw Walker, I saw you playing at Scoot In. I remember you did a cover of um, Crosstown Traffic by Jimi Hendrix. And I was like, 
oh shit walker is good now like this is awesome <laughs> and then we we invited you to and and we crossed paths a little bit over the years but um and then I, we invited you to open a tour and it was it was a very chaotic tour um i feel like we went up the midwest up to like you know minnesota and michigan and um yeah a lot of drinking and a lot of hurting our relative cats and uh and i think you know that's in my memory i think it's kind of when we really we really became closest friends and have been really close friends ever since and collaborated on a lot of a lot of projects and and kind of we've always been i think each other's sounding boards we send each other each you know our our demos our near finished records we i think we both really we all really respect respect each other's opinions and you know walker's such an incredible producer it's really nice to have someone like that as a friend who can see your have the imagination and what you're trying to show that a lot of people won't have so yeah what what else what else have we that's, done together that's that's a good synopsis uh i i definitely i you know i we went to a small college and there were not a lot of bands while we were in school let alone bands that came from it and then continued to do it mm -hmm. um so i definitely i followed you guys from I mean, you know, we played that show or whatever. I also had just finished college. So I, I, when we played that show, like that was my senior week. So I, I wanted to go get drunk with my friends. Um, but I, my, I remember watching you guys really like rise, you know, rise from just this band taking this Friday night gig. I mean, you couldn't have been getting paid more than 200 bucks, you know, it was probably and, like 50. And I remember, I remember seeing you guys like a picture of you guys opening for Aerosmith in on Facebook. And it was like, you know, it's like you skip a chapter and someone's thing and all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, <laughs> like what is happening right now? You know? <laughs> um, and just being so blown away, I was like, fuck, they never stopped. They just kept, they kept going, you know, and just being so blown away by it. And then, yeah. And then I moved to Austin and, uh, your bro invited me to come on tour with you guys. And then from there, you know, I, we've definitely been very constant uh, presences in one another's lives for sure. And I mean, on a creative level too, we've, the, it is, it is hilarious to me that of all the things that we've done together that has not come out, the first thing coming out is a two minute song about, <laughs> is it really about a like uh, ancestrally horny grandma. <laughs> <laughs> she's genetically chomping at the bit i love yeah. it oh yeah no it's true oh it's true you do have that uh, no i remember no okay that's not true you've recorded some things that you put out from our studio that we helped out with like um you had that cover of that dr john song um that's true that is one yeah uh yeah but you had you recorded a couple of great songs at our studio that never got released that pop into my head all the time dude i, I want you to finish that i still i will say that one of a lesson i learned from that so basically for some context uh for anyone listening uh but after i had recorded the record tell it's the judge there was we were sort of leaking out singles which is you know an unfortunate necessity right but so we're we're doing that and i'm starting to work the next thing and i recorded five songs with you guys and i ended up re-recording two of them for adult and then i i've recently re-recorded one um 
which hasn't come out yet, blah, 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 all that stuff. But, uh, but my takeaway lesson from all that is I deeply regret not releasing it at the time. Mm. And, and I have like really held on to that. Like for me, for me as a writer and a producer of my own music and stuff, um, I don't think the versions that I made afterwards of those two songs they're different. I don't, they're different and I like them. They have different merits, but I don't think that they're better. And so for me, I was a, like my takeaway, you know, with some hindsight was like, man, I really wish I just had put those things out when I did them because I thought they were fresh and cool and we had such a good time making them. And you had that lyric about if you want to understand why we hate the president, I feel like it doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> you had a particular yeah. <laughs> vibe in mind. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good lesson. It's a good reminder, a good note to self. Like, if you've got something that's like, yeah, I think this is cool. You get stuck on it, like, just try not to hesitate. Just move forward, finish it, put it out. Don't think about it too much, or else you're going to end up like in this situation where you're like, okay, well, it's years later, and now I really don't relate to this song or know what it was supposed to end up being. I think we've alluded to this question, but I want to just ask it head on. Um, I mean, you guys have been in a, a, par, a creative partnership for a long time. You make you make stuff outside of it, you know, all this. I, I'm curious, like, how how do you relate to your creativity now at your age as opposed to when you were 22? Like, how is that, how has that evolved? I'm just talking about your relationship with yourself. Like, how do you relate to yourself as a artist or musician now that it's different from when you were younger? Mm-hmm. For me, I'm like, I, I'm like 22 or something. In some sense, I could barely write a song, you know, with like verse and chorus and like a kind of a cogent construction and some set of hooks and stuff. But I really thought I was like on the cusp of like making a masterpiece album, like at any given time. Uh, I, I think just so many songs and so many albums later, I I care much less about this sort of masterpiece thing and care so much more about still just keeping up the craft that now I feel like I can do to some degree more than, than, than I could at that point. And, and, and enough to just like, um, and enjoy it in and of itself. Like we were talking a little bit earlier about like, um, how songs are perceived by, by audience. I think it's also, um, I try to keep the judge out, you know, like the, the music critic brain, um, the, uh, like, like the, the kind of point of view that I was like, well, what does that even mean in the lyric or something? Like it was, as long as I'm kind of satisfying my own curiosity, uh, aesthetic pleasure, you know, trying to maybe achieve a goal that I haven't achieved before. I think those are the things I'm like concerned with rather than like, if I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, if I made a good song, made a good album, I don't know if I can answer, you know, if any of what, none of us can really answer that. Yeah. What about you, Jack? I'd say the biggest difference for me now, to, like from when I was younger, is that my my journey has been really up and down with, um, like, I guess, creative confidence and believing in myself. I think when I was in my like, my teens and early 20s, I had this very overinflated confidence and belief in 
like myself and that everything like you know in 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 our band i thought like man it doesn't matter what the music is we will put it through our machine and it will come out to be like something absolutely great groundbreaking on the level with the absolute greats like i really thought extremely highly of myself of what we were doing um but then for a variety of reasons um you know some some of the being the people that we worked with uh and you know losing some people around me that were really um, my big cheerleaders i kind of shot down the other way and really lost all confidence and felt very far from uh believing in my ability to create something great or that might resonate with people and got really the opposite the opposite of free very analytical very questioning everything worried about constantly like how can it be better how can it be better pouring over everything just super perfectionism but constantly thinking nothing was good enough mm-hmm. and i had to really slowly rebuild that that confidence and um and like belief that you know and, and as you get older too you ha- you have to fight a little bit more with um you know you have to fight a little harder to to keep the belief that your music can make a difference in the world um it's it's easier to to be um you know hit by the things in life that tell you like hey man you should be making more money hey you should be you know your time and your effort is better spelled spent doing something else that's more serious um so you do have to like i think fight a little more to hang on to that confidence and say no like what i'm doing is important and i love to do it and this is what i want to spend my time doing creating music and and sharing it and uh and it doesn't matter. And I think ultimately like realizing like it doesn't, you know, it's neither being super confident or being super self-critical. It's just like outside of either of those things, like just a freedom, like let's go, let's move forward. Let's not question it. And like Kurt said, let's not judge it. That's not our job. It's uh, we make the music, we put it out. And while the other people are judging it, we make more music. Yeah. If I may answer in my own way, Please. I, I've, basically wrote a record for most of 2017, 2018. Then I put it out in 2019 and then actually that's not really true, but basically I made like a proper record of my own original music and put it out and promoted it and just super, super burned out. So while I did make a lot of music during the pandemic, wasn't exercising the same thing. Like I wasn't trying to make, you know, pop songs with my own lyrics and none and all this stuff. So I just really, really took a break and in, in coming back to it, to, to work on this record, accessible beauty, which will come out sometime this year. Like I just was a different person. Like I just done a lot of personal growth mm-hmm. and it was a really hard record to finish. Um, because you know, I was in a band with my partner and then all of a sudden I'm breaking, like we've broken up and I'm working on this record that is, I used to do with her one. And then two, like, I don't write super, super close autobiographical songs, but like it's always autobiographical. So it was really hard, uh, to finish it. And it, it, because that's just how just, you know, all the trigger things from recording and from before. And then also like, there's just no way I can write about my own life. But 
I just, I just couldn't suffer to do it. I refused to let myself like suffer to make my music. Like I wasn't gonna stay up late and ruin the next day. I wasn't gonna keep working on a sad song for so long that it would, I would like spiral into a depression. Um, and so for me, the thing that I, that I really realized is that before the answer was always yes, I was always willing to go the extra mile to like finish a song no matter what. And, and that's the thing I, and I wasn't aware of that. Like I, I knew I had some sort of edge over my peers when I was in my twenties. Cause I worked a little harder, you know, I mean, I you guys can say the same thing, right? Like you guys worked harder than the other bands. Mm-hmm. You didn't break up and you worked harder. Like I always, I knew from a younger age that I had that, mm-hmm. but, but the thing that I didn't realize that I was doing until I didn't do it this way, you know, this past year was like, I would just always put my own health and well being second, no matter what to this crazy art thing. Yeah. And, 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 and realizing like, I'm just so glad I'm not, not that way anymore. Like, like it's such a, it's such a narrow, um, field of experience that you have when you always are putting your, your art in quotes first. And the irony is, is you'll probably continue to write at a more sustainable level with a mindset like that. You probably end up with more art when it's all said and done. You know? I, yeah, I think so. I think so. And and just like the ability to have a richer life, which makes yeah. not just your life better, but I do think it actually makes your art better, you know? I agree too. I Definitely. I think a big a big thing about growing up as an artist, I think is letting go of that belief that suffering creates better art. Um, that if there's not pain, like physically in the recording, you know, then it's not worth something. And and you kind of, you know, over time realize like why I can get to, I can still like, no matter how happy and well-rounded and well-balanced your life is, you're still going to have pain in it. You're still going to know pain very well. It's you're still going to have plenty to write about. Um, and you know, and, and, and another thing is like every piece of advice that you, I feel like I read about on creativity is always about, um, working in small, regular chunks rather than these Herculean jaunts, you know, and I still really struggle with that. Like I, I definitely still like, you know, start working on something in the afternoon. It starts getting some good momentum by the evening, and then by dawn, it's like, fuck yeah, I'm, <laughs> I've got something awesome. But then, you know, right. Then I'm like screwed up for, you know, a few, you know, I, nowadays what I try to do is get up early in the morning before anybody else is up. Cause I, I really think that for me, that's that quiet, like I get it, the interference, my, the antenna of my brain is always picking up all the other, the waves of all the other brains around. And so I'm um, getting up a little early and working for an hour. Um, and doing that daily at the end of a month or something, you know, doing that, you're going to end up with a lot more than doing one or two of those huge, you know, jaunts where you, you end up with something and you don't even know how you got it, but you, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you end up with something more, I think it's more mindful that way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fucking great though. I think that's beautiful. And 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 it's, you know, I mean, like you were saying earlier, Jack, you know, I feel like so much about uh, adult life 
Um, I'll just leave it at that. And we could, we could, we could really parse out all the influences, but so much about adult life, like incentivizes you not to do this kind of stuff anymore. Um, and it has so much to do with money, you know, but, but I think like the, if, when you choose to stay in it and that's really what it comes down to, it's just people who choose to stay in it. Like it, you can still get that same sense of beauty and, and, um, really deep sense of meaning from your work that you've always gotten. Like, and it actually just get richer the longer you stay in it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Because you're sort of like, there's more, you have to pick, um, as you, as you get older, I, I think we kind of realize like, oh, I can't juggle everything anymore if I want to have some sanity. So you have to make some choices and you have to make some more sacrifices. And I think it causes you to, to give your, to value yourself and to value your art um, a bit higher. And so when you do choose it, you it's, there's more on the line. So, you know, you, you kind of come at it with a more, um, a more conscious approach, I think I would say. Mm -hmm. I want to say one last thing too, if you're still recording um, that I just want to say that I Walker, I'm so blown away by this song confessional i think it's so cool i think you know what you and zach are doing and and aaron and everyone involved it's just i don't know it's so brilliant it's so fun to be an artist taking this confession from a stranger and and that challenge like i don't know it lit my brain on fire and when i listen to the episodes i find it so exciting and so exhilarating to get like uh, a peek into the other songwriters processes and especially when you have this kind of like pointed mission like this, it's really cool. I think you guys have created like a hub for, um, you know, great artists and, um, and fans to come together and like erase a lot of that mystery and realize, you know, we have a whole lot more in common than it seems. And I just want to tell you, man, I'm, I'm just super proud of you for, for creating this and, and thanks so much for having us. Yeah, dude. Thank you, man. And thanks for, thank you for telling me that. I don't think, that any of us uh it it's good to know that it feels impactful and good because i think for us it's just such a nicer side of the equation to be on than a lot of the music stuff that we do so yeah it's always great to hear that you know it means a lot thank you means a lot to me all right guys well uh i love you and i'll uh, talk to you soon love you buddy adios bye. bye guys That theme song you heard at the top was written and recorded by me and Zach. It was engineered and mixed by Adam Mason, and it features Topaz McGarrickel on sax. The Song Confessional Podcast is produced by myself, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby, Rylan Kettery, Jim Eno, Mike Lee, our newcomer Tyler Brown, and it is brought to you by KUTX. If you like this podcast, the best thing you can do is send an episode to someone who you think will like it. You can even send it to someone who you hate, but you know that they will appreciate this podcast. Honestly, that would probably be, well, besides kind of you, it would show a lot of personal growth and I think you should do it. Second to that, you can subscribe to the show on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow the Song Confessional Artist page wherever you listen to music and stay up to date.